Over a million patients a year are treated with respect, warmth, and compassion at Boston Medical Center. It's in this spirit of community that we offer our podcast series to you, featuring our doctors and staff. This is Boston Med Talks. Here's Melanie Cole. Although hip pain is usually associated with aging, developmental problems in the hip, a condition called hip dysplasia, are pretty common in adolescents and young adults and without treatment, can lead to pain and arthritis early in life. My guest today is Dr. Michael Kane. He's an orthopedic surgeon at Boston Medical Center. Dr. Kane, let's start with what is hip dysplasia and why does it affect young people? Uh, thanks for asking, and thanks for having me today. Um, basically, hip dysplasia and, and young adult hip pain usually can come from a variety of things, but the most most of the time it is mild abnormalities in, in, in growth and development of the hip, either on the femoral side or the acetabular side, uh, which is connected to the pelvis. And, and typically, you see this on the acetabular side, which is what we call dysplasia. And it's the same thing you hear about when the babies are born and making sure that their hips don't click. And it's really some form or portion of the spectrum of that developmental process. So if, if it's really a matter of biomechanics and it's, and it's just something that isn't sort of right as they're growing, is it something that you identify while they're young? Well, we try to. Uh, the pediatric orthopedic world has really done a fabulous job of trying to pick up on some of these things. We don't do a lot of screening other than uh, with the newborns, as I mentioned earlier, but in the young adults with, uh, and teenagers with the increase in activity, we're trying to uh, identify these folks that have potentially pathologic problems that limit their activity that could go on to uh, causing them to have arthritis at a young age. Wow. So tell us a little bit about diagnosis and treatment and what symptoms. Is there something, if they're active, they're soccer playing, they're really a youth athlete, something that lets you know that they're having this type of pain what does diagnosis look like? Well, pretty typically, this is uh, it, it's an insidious onset, meaning it just comes out of nowhere and it starts to bother them over time. Occasionally, it can be from a, an actual athletic injury, but a lot of times it's really just pain that starts to come on with simple activities such as sitting for a long period of times or even driving, which are typical questions that we uh, focus on and ask about. And I think one of the more um, interesting things is that most of the time, those are the, the type of activities that bother people the most and is usually the way we pick up on the diagnosis. That is interesting. So what's the first line of defense if someone comes to you with that type of pain? And what does it mean to treat hip dysplasia with hip preservation surgery? What's the goal of this type of procedure? So when we start, once someone fails non-operative management, which is what we start with everybody, which is generally physical therapy, anti-inflammatories, and this is usually over a course of about six months because we don't want to just operate on everybody. If someone becomes an operative candidate, we, are, we start talking about either hip arthroscopy where we put uh, small cannulas into the hip and either uh, repair or reconstruct the labrum, uh, which is a soft tissue structure, or if it's really a bony and developmental process, we actually will consider doing osteotomies of the pelvis which readjust the hip joint to improve the biomechanics of the hip. And who is a candidate, doctor? Uh, the best candidate for these is usually young folks, probably in their, uh, you know, under 30, uh, 15 to 30, uh, once their growth plates are closed, uh, is as early as you want to do it. Um, and there's, there's someone who usually has pain for long periods of time. They tend to have a fatigue pain, meaning that after their activity, they notice they limp a lot. 
Um, and they have these uh, x-ray findings that we find where the hip is a little underdeveloped. Does anything change afterwards as far as their activity level? Do they have to change the type of shoe that they wear? Could it cause back problems upward? Speak about what happens afterward. Well, after we, we get uh, do some of these interventions, we're, we're hoping to get them back to a full activity. And there's a, there's a lot of literature that shows that about 90% of people can get back to um, their sports of choice. Um, even some uh, professional athletes have had these uh, arthroscopic procedures. Um, and, and even with the osteotomy, even though it's a, it sounds like a really big operation and is, uh, people are able to get back to uh, uh, most of their activities. And, and that is ultimately the goal is to be active and to keep the hip and joints healthy. Does it, does it come back or cause arthritis later on in life? Um, it, it this dysplasia itself will not come back, but this is all a spectrum of disease. So it, it, we're trying to stop the arthritic process from developing. And as you mentioned earlier, Melanie, it, it's a biomechanical process. So people who have systemic diseases or other uh, systemic problems that cause arthritis, th- this will not uh, affect that. So hopefully once we get the biomechanics right, the deterioration in the joint will stop. And does it ever lead to something more serious in a young person, like an actual hip replacement or another type of procedure? Um, occasionally, there are other procedures that uh, that we have to do where people will require several procedures afterwards, and we try to limit these, uh, obviously. Um, and yes, unfortunately, there is a small percentage of people that this doesn't work very well, and the salvage operation for that is a hip replacement. The good news is that hip replacement tends to be tends to work very well and is is, uh, is really one of the better operations that we have in all of medicine. We see it a childhood obesity epidemic. Dr. Kane in this country, does weight have anything to do with the onset or is this something that was just going to be? Um, I, think it, I think it's fair to say that the weight does uh, play a little role in this and uh, we, we know um, uh, obesity is a real... Chem, uh, can be a problem even in, in doing these surgeries as it can cause increased uh, risk factors. So this is always something that we're trying to work with and figure out how we can optimize uh, the people's weight and, and to make everything safe. And a lot of times when we work on that, we actually can improve some of their symptoms. So it does have play a role. If it's identified in little guys, can you do something then with the pediatric orthopods? Are they doing something at the onset? Yeah, the, the pediatric orthopedics, uh, they have a litany of uh, procedures that they can do. And um, it, these, this is all stems from that. And I'm recognizing that if we can correct, the earlier we can correct the mechanics and get the development of the hip correct for the long haul, we can uh, improve the, uh, the hip survival in the, in the long run and make it more durable for one's lifetime. And what about physical therapy? Um, physical par- therapy, I think, is somewhat hotly debated. People think, oh, well, this is the only deformity I have. But I think the reality is, is as we go forward, and as you mentioned with the weight, I think more therapy um, and specific therapy is, is plays a, a significant role. If people can get themselves up and moving and even just trying to do some uh, basic activities, this is, uh, this is always something we want to implore. And I think physical therapy plays a, a lot of role, and it depends on the participation on how successful it's going to be. And Dr. Kane, before I ask you to wrap up, do some people opt out and decide not to have an osteotomy or one of these procedures? Are there some risks to not doing it? 
Yeah, I think I think some folks will will decide that for them that it's unwilling they're unwilling to take the risk. Um, and uh, it's uh, certainly is a personal choice. This isn't certainly something that someone has to have, and it's always hard to gauge someone's symptoms. But usually, if if patients' pain are, are is bad enough and they and the symptoms fit, we generally work with the patient and have a collaborative decision in terms of which way we're going to go and whether that's injections or osteotomy. It's a team to choice with the patient being the primary team member. Wrap it up for us then, Dr. Kane, <laughs> because this is not really something that people hear much about. They don't hear about hip dysplasia. We hear about osteoarthritis or various forms of knee problems, but they don't typically hear about something that affects, you know, our kiddos and even into their adolescent yeah. years. So so wrap it up for us with what you would like parents listening to know about maybe spotting some of those signs and symptoms and when you feel it's important that they seek the advice of an orthopedic surgeon. I think if, 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 if folks are having pain, um, particularly after activities and it's, or it's preventing them from doing activities that they've been able to do. And as I said earlier, if they're having a lot of pain with, with just sitting and standing and it's really slowing them down, um, it's, I think it's a good time to get checked out and it usually starts with a basic x-ray and, and starting with some activities. And if things don't get better, uh, in a short period of time, it's, it's always good to take a look, uh, have us take a look at them, uh, to make sure that, you know, that they're able to go through life and, we can avoid the hip replacement. The natural history of this, on, and if it gets to a certain level, is pretty clear, and we know that certain people will have a hip replacement at 45. So I think the price of trying to get it checked out early is always is always worth it to try to improve the longevity of one's hips. Thank you so much, Dr. Kane, for being with us today and explaining to parents some red flags that they should look out for if they've got kids that develop this type of pain. Thank you again for sharing your expertise. This is Boston Med Talks with Boston Medical Center. For more information, you can go to bmc.org. That's bmc.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.